When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to First in Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Make sure you download, subscribe, stream this show on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Another special episode today. I put up the WEEI slash First in Foxborough Mock Draft 2.0 yesterday. And today I'm going to talk with somebody who was down at the NFL Combine boots on the ground, checking out the scene, checking out the workouts. And keeping his ear to the ground for all the cool stuff going on around the league and what it's saying about the Patriots. And that is Zach Cox of Nesson, Patriots beat reporter there. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And you know what? We talked about it a little bit off the air. You did it right. Getting out of there a little bit early. I know uh, I probably should have left about a day before I did last year. Um, and then, of course, you're trying to get out from, you know, from under that storm that was supposed to happen that never happened. Yeah, it's it's a tiring week for anybody who's who's been out there at the combine. There's a lot going on, and and an interesting part that I think people who aren't there don't really recognize, and I didn't recognize before I had been, is that the actual combine workouts are basically completely ignored while you're actually in there at the combine. Yeah, I, I remember talking to somebody. It was it was Thursday afternoon. We're like, man, the, this week's almost over. I'm like, oh, they none of the workouts have even started yet. But it, it's just a very different experience covering it out there because it's it's much more focused uh, on the interviews and on just kind of talking to people around Indianapolis. And then you sort of catch up on all the uh, all the jumps and runs and times when you get back. Right. Because, you know, for perspective, right, like if you get out there on a Monday or a Tuesday. Right. The workouts don't start until Thursday afternoon. And then you're already thinking about going back home. So yep. it's like uh, for me, I was in New Orleans. Um, I was down there for a wedding. So I was, I was watching on NFL network, like what before the wedding was supposed to start, I'm like watching it in the airport or something like that, just to pass the time. Cause I had nothing better to do, but when you're down there, so much of it is, is not revolving around the workouts at all. And it, it kind of makes you think because the discussion about Bill Belichick not being at the combine, especially when the news first came out was discussed like what, this is the first time he hasn't been there. Like in his entire career, is he just mailing it in? Is he is he not taking this seriously anymore? And to me, it was almost like, I think he's just working smarter, not harder. It, it, it Like delegating tasks to like, oh yeah, like these interviews are important. They are important, but he's probably there virtually. He's probably got better things to do than run around and try to talk to people he's not trying to talk to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was notable just because, as you mentioned, it was a departure from what Bill Belichick has done really throughout his career. As long as I can remember, at least he always has been in Indianapolis for the combine, but this has kind of been a, a league wide shift in the last couple of years, just a de-emphasis of the combine uh, as we know it as a, a situation where everybody has to be there on site for all the interviews, for all the workouts. Uh, I think a lot of teams now are recognizing that the value of that is maybe less than people thought it was in the past. You're going to get all the times when they come in, regardless, right. uh, Patriots are going to speak with 
almost all of these players, I would imagine, uh, in other settings between pro days and official visits uh, and guys that they've already talked to at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl. Uh, you also have so much more player tracking data now than you used to, uh, so you can get a better sense of what a guy's overall athletic makeup is even before he runs the 40 and the three cone and the broad jump, vertical jump, all these things. Uh, it, it was an interesting kind of nugget to come out just because again, it was, it was different right. from how Bill Belichick handled himself in the past. Uh, but I didn't view it as wow. Bill Belichick's slacking on his job and no longer uh, putting in the necessary time. Uh, you've seen, uh, I believe it was at least one team, maybe two teams that just didn't send coaches at all to the combine. So uh, it's really been uh, kind of a, a, a reshaping of priorities, I think, around the league uh, surrounding the combine. Right. And then you think about this free agency period that's about to happen, and you figure the Patriots probably have a lot going on with that, trying to figure out how they're going to to approach that. And if they're, you know, networking and, and hanging out and, and doing all that, I mean, they can they could talk about potential trades and, and all that stuff. You could pick up a phone and do all that. You don't have to be on the ground necessarily. So, uh, again, like you said, notable nugget just because it's a novel thing. But ultimately, the Patriots are probably just fine in that regard. But first, before we get into, into more business, I got to know, what was the best meal you had down there in Indy last week? Oh, the best meal? Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly going to say Steak and Shake. I love Steak and Shake. Hey! I, I, I put this out on Twitter, my my bold take that Steak and Shake is the, the most superior kind of burger chain. It's better than In-N-Out. It's better than Shake Shack. It's better than Five Guys. I was waiting literally for several weeks to get this steak and shake and it did not disappoint. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, uh, a low class uh, answer, I guess, but man, I was, I was waiting a while for it and it didn't disappoint. Well, look, I, I feel like that was surprising. And yet at the same time, I get it because you're down there and there are all these steakhouses where you can order 80, 90, hundred plus dollar steaks. And then you eat it like, okay, yeah, it's great. You kind of get that fine dining atmosphere or whatever but is it really worth a hundred dollars not really not not to me it's like go ahead and and do what makes you happy steak and shake for the win <laughs> hey i'm a man of simple tastes i did have some good steak out there i had some good tacos too uh, ate a lot of uh boxed lunches in the media room which weren't uh, quite as good but yeah hey steak and shake if you haven't had it i know we don't have it around here i've literally only had it at the nfl combine it's been fantastic every time so that's that's uh that's my pick that, that's a trip, actually, because I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm like, what do you mean we don't have steak and shake out here? Like, that, that was just like a, an omnipresent thing. But then again, you think about, oh, yeah, I guess you were in that neck of the woods. So, mm -hmm. yeah, of course, they had some steak and shake down there. I My best meal was probably um, – it, it was at the – one of the connecting spots to the JW Marriott. Mm -hmm. I cannot remember the the, the place, but it wasn't high velocity. Like the high velocity food was okay. It wasn't great. Um, and, and I did go to a Roots Chris, but even that, like, okay, like I said, steak was really good, blah, blah, blah. Did I need, would I want to spend $150 on that again? Not necessarily. Now, if someone wants to buy me, someone wants to buy me food, then I'll eat it. But otherwise, I'm, I'll definitely keep it more chill. It's, a, it's an experience kind of thing, though, too. Yeah. When, when you're out in Indy for the combine, you need you need a steak. You need a St. Elmo's or Harry and Izzy's or, or Ruth Chris or one of those places. You, you can't say that you went to a combine uh, if you didn't get to experience that, too. 
Absolutely. You know what? I still have to go to Prime 47, man. I didn't go at all last time because, again, I was getting I was getting a feel for it. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit of an old man as as the week kind of progressed. So next time I'm going to have to hit that up as well. Now, let's get to business. Prospects pretty much talk to every single team. And, and I know we, we got to ask. I asked it when I was there, like, oh, yeah, have you talked to the Patriots? What was that like? And, and everything. Um it's not necessarily always notable in that sense, except for when somebody says, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to talk to that team. And then you're like, oh, OK, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But from your perspective, what was the most interesting interaction you had with a prospect when asked about their experience with the Patriots? Mine was probably with uh, with Cam Smith, the mm-hmm. cornerback from South Carolina, uh, because it, yeah, you, you kind of go through that whole routine. You say, "Oh, did you meet with the Patriots? Uh, how was it? Who'd you meet with?" And uh, as you as you're saying, a lot of the time it's it's pretty basic stuff. And the Patriots are going to meet with hundreds of draft prospects during this process, so the, the meeting itself isn't especially notable. Uh, but it was interesting the way Cam Smith described that meeting. Uh, he said, "Yeah, it was very intense. Uh, they actually made me feel a little uncomfortable with some of the questions that they were asking." Uh, he didn't get into specifics about what those were. We weren't sure whether those were uh, kind of on-field tape type stuff or, or off-the-field character stuff. But it's it's kind of interactions like that that stand out to me when I'm at the Combine. Uh, because, yeah, as you mentioned, so many of these people met with the Patriots. A lot of the time, it's just pretty boilerplate. Oh, yeah, Bill Belichick's a great coach. I would love to play for Bill Belichick. But when there's little kind of specific nuggets that come out like that, that's something that that you kind of file away in, in your mind uh, for, for later in the draft prospect or draft process. Cause this guy, Cam Smith, he's a guy who would, I think would make a lot of sense for the Patriots, really talented man corner played at South Carolina has actually been mentored a little bit by Stefan Gilmore. So there's a lot of kind of connective tissue there, uh, but then you say, huh, well, how do they feel about him uh, after this interview? If that's the way he felt coming out of it, uh, and now maybe they came out of the interview and said, you know, he handled those questions really well. We actually like him a lot. But that's just the, the kind of thing that you keep in mind uh, after conversations like this at the combine. Definitely, and it, it reminds me of uh, I think I asked Drake Jackson from USC last year if he'd met with the Patriots. Like, oh yeah, like and actually it was kind of an intimidating meeting, uh, and he's like, but I handled it fine. Like I stood in there, you know, I took it. But like it sounds like they kind of have that effect on you, whether it's specifically the questions they ask the way they go about business or some people are like oh yeah like bill belichick was on he was like on a virtual call like his name was just his presence was in the room even if he wasn't talking and i think that adds a little bit of weight to it as well it's really interesting to hear people say like yeah the patriots are they're intense like they mean business and especially too because you think most of these guys are 21 22 years old in recent years, the Patriots haven't really been the Patriots of old. This isn't like when you're at the Combine in 2018 or 2019 and the Patriots have just played in the last five Super Bowls. A lot of these guys were in high school, maybe even yeah. younger than high school. The last time the Patriots won a Super Bowl and were that kind of perennial level of contention. Uh, but from talking to a lot of these guys, they still that Patriot mystique and that Belichick mystique is still very much alive uh, in these kids who have kind of grown up knowing really nothing but that for the last couple of years. Yeah. And even the allure potentially of being the ones that help you get back to that, you know, that, that start the new wave of Patriots excellence. Um, Based on what you saw down there with the workouts, interviews, what have you, which guy on your Patriots big board 
helped himself the most? Hmm. It's tough to tough to pin down one. Uh, I mean, I've, how about how about a, how about a top five? Well, you got a top I, five? I've just I've thought through this entire process that offensive tackle is the most obvious choice for for a first round pick. Uh, now maybe that shifts a little bit depending on what they do in free agency. If they go out and sign one of these top free agents and get another kind of budget level veteran, maybe they don't need to use as high of a pick on that. But uh, my take throughout this whole process is just use that number 14 or wherever that first round draft pick goes on a tackle. Uh, And I think a couple of the top tackles really acquitted themselves well out there. Uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia was the guy I had picked in my first mock draft that came out this morning. Uh, He had a solid workout. Paris Johnson um, from Ohio state had a solid workout. Anton Harrison. uh, Those are all guys that could be in that potential first round mix for the Patriots. Maybe even, uh, a few of them might even kind of rise up above that and, and be out of the Patriots range. Um, but looking at a, t- a, a number of those names, they were guys where it wasn't like a, an Anthony Richardson or, or a Darnell Washington or some of these guys where you say, oh, wow, look at the look yeah. at what they did at the combine. But this was more of a case where, okay, they're considered first round type guys right now. Let's just see if they have a first round type workout. Uh, and they did the, a good number of these guys, especially Jones. Um, Beyond that, I mean, Darnell Washington is one who I think would be pretty interesting for the Patriots if he's around maybe in uh, round two. Uh, He's that gigantic tight end um, from Georgia, really good run blocker, uh, but also showed that he's extremely athletic and showed some pretty good uh, pass catching ability at the combine. Um, uh, Yeah, there's there's a number. I mean, uh, actually, the, the clear one, I think, was Jackson Smith and Jigba, who now a lot of people are penciling in for the Patriots at number 14. Uh, I've always been sort of anti-draft a receiver in the first round, but uh, after looking at the workout that he had and just the overall kind of skill set that he brings, I'm warming up to that idea. Um, I I think he really impressed me uh, out there in Indy. Yeah, and you know what? And and by the way, for those of you who who sh- want to check this out, I I checked it out this morning. Nesson's mock draft. Zach Cox put his name on that and put mm-hmm. Roderick Jones in there for pick number fourteen. I know he's been somebody that's been mocked to the Patriots pretty frequently. I I did one yesterday where I took Jackson Smith and Jigba at number fourteen, mm-hmm. with the caveat though that I think. All of the tackles, because I, I did with the, the Pro Football Focus uh, yeah. uh, simulator just, just to, for fun to check it out. They were all off the board. And if you're asking me at that point, who am I taking? I'm taking him. And it, it's it's interesting because, I like, for example, if it were Quentin Johnston, I don't know that I would do that at number 14. Great. He's, he's got incredible measurables. He's got upside speed. Go down the field and get it. But I feel like somebody like Smith and Jigba just fits what the Patriots like at wide receiver so well that if he's the best player on the board, and I feel it's it's something to talk about, but you're, you're talking about offensive tackles and the importance of that. The New England Patriots typically build through the middle in the draft. And so they spend capital or you know, I was looking at a study. They spend capital on offensive tackles more than just about any other team. Um, so I, I think that that's definitely a position that, if they're not doing it in the first round, they're doing it within the first three rounds for sure, in my opinion. No, I agree. And just overall, even beyond tackle, just looking back at the picks that Bill Belichick has made in New England, he's made 20 first round picks and 12 of those have been either offensive linemen 
or front seven defenders, yep. so defensive linemen or linebackers. That's really been the focus for the Patriots. Um, he doesn't draft many skill players in the first round, doesn't draft many defensive backs in the first round. Uh, I know, obviously, wide receiver and cornerback are, are positions that have been mentioned as big needs for the Patriots, and I think they are. Uh, and a lot of people have had them going with a wide out in the first round or with a cornerback, somebody like uh, Christian Gonzalez or Joey Porter or, or Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I think all of those are potentially in play. Uh, but you just look over the last, what, 23, 24 years now, they've drafted one cornerback, Devin McCourty, in the first round, later moved him to safety, and drafted one wide receiver in the first round, and that, of course, was Nikhil Harry. So it just isn't really in Bill Belichick's DNA to take those positions in the first round, which is part of why uh, I really kind of gravitate toward the offensive tackles uh, as well as also the the clear need you have on the roster. And it also is why I wouldn't be shocked if even though uh, edge rusher and defensive line aren't dire needs for this Patriots team, I think they're pretty well stocked at both of those spots. It wouldn't be shocking at all to see them draft Lucas Van Ness or, or, or Miles Murphy or one of these uh, top edge rushers. Uh, they did end up meeting with a lot of those out in Indianapolis. And that's just if you're looking at it from a hit rate perspective, Drafting defensive linemen, linebackers, edge rushers has been the the highest level of success for the Patriots in the first round. If you look at that group, there's eight of them, and really only one of them was an out-and-out -out bust, and that was uh, Dominique Easley. Everybody else was either superstar-level player uh, or, at the very least, a, a Malcolm Brown type who was a, a useful player for, for several years. So it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, yeah, tackles are off the board, and Bill Belichick says... You know, I feel pretty good about our, our ability to evaluate these front seven defenders. Let's go with one of these guys and at least take the safe pick. Yeah, and you know what? I And that's another position where I think it's very deep. But if you feel like you could get a top prospect there, I, I think that makes sense as well. And again, like you said, it's just within you know, the scope of what this team typically does. And I feel like it would be an outlier to take a corner or a wide receiver. It's just, they, they again, you, you build up the fronts, you dominate the line of scrimmage that, that if that's not a defensive coach, like a defensive minded old school coach approach, I don't know what else is. And, and for myself, I definitely was looking at prospects again, later on in the draft, but thinking about guys who can be a bit of a tweener kind of thing. Like if you could play both inside and out on the defensive line in particular, that I feel like is like a killing two birds with one stone sort of thing, something that they might really like. I do think that they could probably, I mean, they've got bodies in the defensive interior, but I think that's a sneaky position that they might target. Cause I feel like you could use a little bit more pass rushing juice up the middle, put it next to Christian Barmore and then on third downs, you're over there eating. I, I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't hate that idea at all. You also look at the ages of some of those those guys in there. Lawrence Guy is probably getting toward the end. You're probably going to need to replace him in the next year or two. Um, and you look at on the edge, you obviously have Matthew Judon. You've got Josh Uche. You'll see if he can um, kind of build on the season that he has. has and, and you have Dietrich Wise, but... I mean, it's the saying, you can never have enough pass rushers. You can never have enough edge rushers. So, yeah, wouldn't uh, be at all surprising to see the Patriots try to boost up that group a little bit. Definitely. Now, we've talked about the first round a little bit, what we might do with the number 14 pick. What guys that you think could go on day two and three are you most interested in? I'm interested to see what they do 
at potentially receiver on day two, because I think they're overall, this receiver class isn't considered to be one of the best in recent years. It's considered to be uh, quite a bit worse than last year's uh, based on, uh, on the, what some of the draft analysts say, but there are some pretty intriguing guys that could be available uh, in the the second or third round. One of them is one that I gave to the Patriots in my mock draft. That's Josh Downs uh, from North Carolina uh, slot type, kind of similar body type to to the old school Patriots slot slot receivers. He's five nine, about one hundred seventy pounds, um, but really really productive in college. Uh, averaged about a hundred yards or hundred receiving yards a game over the last two seasons. Uh, and for a guy his size, he's got the the quickness and the route running ability, but he's also uh, really talented in those contested catch situations and in the red zone both of which were kind of an issue for this Patriots team last season. If you lose Jacoby Myers, you're going to need a new slot receiver. I think he's somebody that could fit the bill if he's available in that, in that mid uh, second round area. Uh, another guy, Tyler Smith from Cincinnati. Uh, he's gotten some comparisons to, uh, to Tyler Lockett, to T.Y. Hilton. Uh, played at Cincinnati, had, I believe it was 10 of his 14 touchdowns in college, went for 30 plus yards. So he's really a, a big play machine, uh, another slot type guy. Uh, there, there's a couple interesting wide receivers that are going to be available there on day two. It's kind of difficult at this stage of the process to kind of right. project where everybody, everybody is going to go, who's going to be available in round two, who's going to be available in round three. Um, but if the Patriots don't go and draft someone like Smith and Jigba in the first round, uh, I could easily see them. Uh, targeting that spot again on day two, just like they did last year with Tyquan Thornton. Yes, indeed. And I think even beyond that, like a potential kind of X-ish receivers, somebody mm-hmm. like A.T. Perry, who was down at the Shrine Bowl, they got to see him up close and personal. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on, on which Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl prospects they're going to, they're going to be into. And I've heard rave things about A.T. Perry's mm-hmm. interviewing skills, the way that he approaches the game, his preparation. I feel like they could fall in love with that. And again, a bit of a different body type than what you were talking about, but I could see that. And, and I keep coming back to this. You know, Bill O'Brien, obviously, when he was here the first time, I mean, you had uh, Julian Edelman's and Wes Welker's and those kinds of players. And then you had the two tight ends that were dominating. But when he was in Houston, he spent a first round pick on Will Fuller, who is was kind of that smaller ish speed burner type. He had DeAndre Hopkins and then he goes to Alabama and he's got skill position players you know, out the wazoo. So when he comes here, I feel like, yes, I think the Patriots have a certain way of doing things and a certain type that they're looking for, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bill O'Brien is involved in this process. And he's saying, yo, we need to get some dudes, Mm -hmm. whether we're talking about receivers, tight ends. I grabbed Sam Laporta from, from Iowa because draft Iowa tight ends. I I got him as well. He's, he was on mine. Yeah. It basically, it's hard to go wrong, especially Mm -hmm. when you, that guy is just a mad bull running with the football, but he's also got the the movement skills and the intelligence to to get open. I feel like I I think Bill O'Brien's influence on this is going to be really interesting. Is he like, look, okay, yes, we want to build up, we want to make sure that Mac Jones is protected and all that. We got to get playmakers. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating just to see what Bill O'Brien's offense is going to look like this year because it's been quite a while since he has been in new England, the the last time he coached here was, was more than 10 years ago. Is it going to be, I, you imagine it's going to be some kind of blend of the kind of early 2010s Patriots offense, the Houston offense with Deshaun Watson, 
the Alabama offense that he was running for the last couple of years, which was basically Nick Saban's offense with an O'Brien spin to it. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how much, how much he utilizes the tight ends because the tight ends were really an emphasis. The last time he was in new England, was that just a personnel thing because you had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, or is that something he's going to try to replicate? So yeah, I think the way that they draft and the way that they handle free agency over these next couple of weeks is really going to tell us a lot about what O'Brien's overall vision is for this Patriots offense. Absolutely. You mentioned free agency. That's kind of where I want to end up with this one. So we've heard of a couple of tackles that are probably going to hit the market. As a matter of fact, we just saw Orlando Brown is not going to get tagged by the Kansas City Chiefs or is not expected to be tagged. So he could hit the market. He'll be expensive. Mike McGlinchey from the San Francisco 49ers also expected to hit the market. He could be expensive, not necessarily as expensive as Brown. And then Jawan Taylor. So you've got options there. Then you've also got to consider Jacoby Myers and Jonathan Jones that you might be losing them. I think they'll they'll have a chance to you know, test the market and then maybe come back to the Patriots and see what it is for you. What's the top priority for this team when the new league year starts next Monday? <laughs> it's coming up. Yeah, it, it's coming up quickly. Yeah, the tampering window starts next Monday and then free agency officially opens next Wednesday. Yeah, it's got to be tackle. Uh, I don't know how exactly they're going to do it. Uh, I don't know if they'll extend themselves uh, so far to pick up somebody like Orlando Brown, who's probably going to cost 21, 22 million a year. That's a lot of money to pay even for a premium player at that position. Uh, I think I would be more comfortable getting someone like McGlinchey uh, or Juwan Taylor, maybe a Caleb McGarry guys that are going to be, they're high-end players, but they're going to be a little bit more affordable. Uh, I don't think you can try to piece this together with spare parts like the Patriots did last year. Uh, I think they do need to make a significant investment there, whether it's bringing in one of these top four tackles or whatever, wherever you want to draw that line, or using a, a high pick in the draft, or potentially both. Uh, but I think they're going to need to uh, – they can't grab a, a bunch of C-minus players and try to piece it together and, and hope that it works. Uh, so I think that has to be their top priority. And then the most interesting thing from a storyline perspective is probably just what they do with Jacoby Myers, what his market ends up being. So I, I know there are pretty varied opinions on, on what he could get on the open market. I think if this was a year, uh, a typical free agency year, the Patriots probably would be able to bring him back with, I don't know, I, won't, I don't want to say easily, but certainly much more easily than they'll be able to this year. But just the fact that he is the number one wide receiver available, that's naturally going to inflate a player's value. And I'm a Jacoby Myers fan too. I think the Patriots should oh, yeah. bring him back. I think he's brings a ton of value to their team, both from a, an on-field perspective and from kind of a, a quiet leadership perspective. But if it's a situation where some other team is offering him $17 million a year, I don't think the Patriots are going to go there. So it's going to be really fascinating just to see how his market develops. It, it does seem, uh, I believe it was Mike Giardi who reported this yesterday, that they're basically at the stage where they're saying, okay, go out there, see what you can get, and then bring it back to us, and we'll decide whether we want to match that or not. Uh, it's a it's a approach the Patriots have taken with free agents in the past. Sometimes that ends up with a player re-signing. Sometimes it ends up with the Patriots saying, Hey, thank you for your services. We would have loved to have you back, but we can't match that. Uh, and then they go their separate ways. So yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting just to see where that number falls with Myers. Absolutely. To me, my target is 
<laughs> and, and, and I don't know, I'm not saying the Patriots would do this, but my target is like probably 13 million tops. Like if you're talking about like three years, 39 million, I, I could do that for Jacoby Myers. But if you're talking about 15, I think, I think that that's a bit much for me. And, and again, as you mentioned, the Giardi tweet basically said, look, a lot of teams don't see him at those upper ranges, but all it takes is one team to be like, you know what? I want me some Jacoby Myers. And then he gets the payday and he, and, and the Patriots say, yeah, sorry, we're not going to, we're not going to go ahead and do that. And then if he were to leave in free agent, if he comes back, you could make the argument that you can go ahead and run this back with, you know, a, a day two receiver, day three receiver or whatever. And, and you kind of just, just keep the core that you have. And there's continuity in that. If he leaves, that's where I feel like, you know, what you were talking about with like Josh Downs or, mm-hmm. or somebody that you invest in a little bit higher, because then it gets a little scary with your receiver position. Like, yeah, you've got, you've got the De- Devonte Parker and he's, and he's good when he's on the field, staying on the field has been an issue. Tyquan Thornton. I like him as a player. He's still just a second year guy. You don't necessarily know where things are going with him. Kendrick Bourne like him as well, but they kind of didn't use him last year. I would expect that to change this year. And then on top of that, Parker and Bourne, their contracts are up at the end of this year. You don't know what their futures are. And so it's like, you, you really got to think about that. If you're the Patriots wide receiver is definitely a sneaky need at the same time. If you don't get a tackle in free agency, or, or, or maybe you don't necessarily get the big fish, then I think you still got to consider that. So there are just a number of, of avenues they could go here. It's going to be really fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. You look at those three receivers that they're bringing back, uh, Parker, Bourne, Thornton. I think if you get the peak of all three of those players, you're in pretty good shape. But as you mentioned, Parker struggled to stay on the field, really had injury issues throughout his career. Kendrick Bourne, his usage was all over the place last year, seemed to be in in the doghouse with Matt Patricia for much of the year. We'll see if that changes with Bill O'Brien. And then Tyquan Thornton was on the field a ton, got a ton of experience last year but really not that much production. Uh, It certainly uh, seemed like a kind of developmental year for him. Uh, Patriots are going to be hoping that they can get more of that from him in year two, but those are all guys with pretty significant question marks. Uh, And if you do lose Myers, you got to bring in somebody who, I mean, there's no sure things out there, but someone who's either, uh, I think a proven veteran, whether it's a a DeAndre Hopkins trade or, or something big like that, or a, yeah, a premium level draft pick that you can, hopefully bank on contributing uh, and being a a factor right away, which puts you in a pretty difficult situation. Definitely. Now, since you mentioned that just kind of as a, as a last question, if you had, if you were able to pick one veteran receiver from the market, whether you're talking about trades or free agency, because there are going to be a couple guys available in both slots, who would you take? I would take T Higgins, but I don't think he's going to be moved. (sighs) Uh, based on everything coming out of, uh, out of Cincinnati, based on what Duke Tobin said last week, doesn't sound like they're going to move him. And even if they did, he would be pretty expensive to acquire and very expensive to, to pay after the fact. So if we're talking realistic options that seem that seemingly could and and will get moved, I still like Hopkins. I mean, I know that there's the Bill O'Brien angle where who knows if they hate each other right now, if they'd be willing to work together at all, maybe Bill O'Brien saying, Nah, I dealt with that already. I, I, I don't want him in here. But from a talent perspective, I think he still has something left in the tank. I think he still is a player that can be 
walk in the door and instantly be the Patriots' best receiver. Bill Belichick clearly loves him. Um, he's he's going to be making a, a, a fair amount of money, but I don't think it's going to cost a ton to acquire him just because it's been basically out in the open for months now that the Cardinals are looking to move him. Uh, he, he wouldn't be a sure thing because he's going to be 31. Uh, you never know with with a, guys like that from a durability perspective. But if he and, and O'Brien can kind of be on the same page and say, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll put the pass behind us and kind of reconnect here. I still think he's a guy that can really help the Patriots. So that would probably be my number one choice. Uh, if it's, uh, if it's at all feasible. Yep. That's what I would say. If you could get him for, I mean, I, I think, I think a second, I would, I might, do, I'd probably do it. Yeah. I, I would, I would probably do it, especially <laughs> if you're, if you're going to get two years out of him still being at a, a pretty high level of football. Yeah, I'm good with that. And then, you know, if, if it's even like a third a round three pick, whew, oh yeah, definitely do that. I, I will throw that pick out the window. I would go, I'd go pick that man up from the airport myself. Zach Cox, Patriots beat reporter for Nesson. Thank you so much for joining me today. And again, we mentioned it on the podcast earlier, but I'm going to bring it up again. He just dropped his first mock draft of the season after being at the NFL combine. Go and check that out on his Twitter. Tell everybody where they can follow you at. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Zach Cox Nesson. Uh, that's Z-A-C-K. Uh, and you can follow all of uh, the Patriots coverage from myself and Dakota Randall, my fellow Patriots beat writer, uh, over on Nesson.com. We're going to have uh, mock draft every week uh, and all sorts of draft and free agency coverage uh, over these next, what, two months, month and a half. So yeah, plenty going on over there. Oh yeah. Y'all are going hard. I'm over here trying to schedule, push my mocks out every couple of weeks. Like, man, no, see, see that, that, that's the thing. Like this the dynamic duo over there at Ness and the two of y'all both at, down there at the combine doing your thing. I enjoy seeing you guys down at Gillette stadium and, and elsewhere and look forward to seeing you again when I see you. Kyrie much appreciated, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.